Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, and welcome to Okay-ish. I hope you're having a very okay-ish Wednesday. As always, I'm Mary Ellen, your host, and I'm so excited because today I have a very special guest. I'm a little bit angry because this special guest is in sunny California and I am not, so I'm going to try to put my anger aside, but his name is Dan Fail, and he's an accomplished storyteller and national speaker. But rather than boring you with a list of awards and accolades, some fun facts about Dan. Let's see. In high school, Dan won back-to-back national acting championships in the category of mime. I won a national acting award in high school, but it wasn't in mimery. Well, we're not going to talk about it. Well, it's exciting. Get it? Because it's a mime, so you don't talk about it. It's a dad joke. That was a good one. I like it. I like it. In college, Dan changed his major from acting because his teacher told him he would never make it because his eyebrows were too expressive for the silver screen. Dan grew up with the last name of Fail, so he's heard all the jokes about failure, and he now has a leadership keynote called Fail Forward. Dan has traveled to 46 of the 50 states and has not been kicked out of any of them. Having worked for over a decade on college campuses, advocating for safe and positive student experiences, Dan now travels the country as a full-time speaker and storyteller, engaging audiences in hard but needed conversations. Dan shares personal stories that engage and inspire us to be our authentic selves and being brave enough to have the conversations that matter. Thanks for coming on, Dan. Of course. Happy to be here. <laughs> I like your eyebrows. I don't think there's anything wrong with your eyebrows. I mean, like, as as I get older, I've got more forehead to use, so they, they don't look as much. But imagine the hairline here and just a lot of eyebrow motions. And so, my yeah, the theater teacher was just like, you'll never make it on the silver screen. And I was like, cool, I'm changing my major anyway. <laughs> you know, as a cocky 18-year-old, and it was just kind of like, well, what do you know? And I'm like, you teach at college. And I'm like, well, she, she, she's right, but whatever. You might know. Well, I feel like because I started as a theater major too, and I changed because money and things like that. But it's cool because I feel like you and I both do speaking and things like that that kind of feed that like acting, performing side of us. Oh, for sure. I miss, I mean, the last, you know, 365 days of a hot mess express, I miss getting on a stage because it's a, it's a similar feeling and the, the lines are still, you know, rehearsed, so to speak, but oh man, I, yeah, it does fulfill a high school sense or an early college sense of like, oh, I I miss this. (laughs) So let me ask you, so obviously this is a mental health podcast. And this month, we're talking all about self-esteem. I know you do speaking engagements for lots of different people, but you started in higher ed and doing speaking engagements on college campuses. And you talk about failure a lot. So in my mind, this all relates to mental health, but I kind of wanted to hear how you think it relates. 
It's, it's interesting too. So how we approach mental health. Number one, I got like a B minus in my counseling class in grad school. So I by no means am a mental health expert. I've read a couple of books, right? That's, that's about where I stop in terms of my expertise. So like mad props to you. I am not a therapist, nor do I want to be, but I do see one weekly. Good. <laughs> but when we think about failure, it's been so... I, pardon the term or expression, but I think failure has been so bastardized to be seen as a negative. Whereas I look at it from a completely different lens that it's actually something that could be celebrated and should be celebrated more. So imagine if failure was like the pinnacle of success. Like you have reached the top of success when you have failed so much because it's a learning lesson. For us, when I talk about leadership and when I talk about failure, as it relates to self-esteem, I think we, in our own minds, we have this negative Jiminy Cricket on our shoulder that's just kind of like, you failed again and you're not good enough. And at some point you just gotta like flick it away. Marie Kondo the hell out of that Jiminy Cricket and just be like, you no longer bring me joy because it, <laughs> because it gets in our head and we get in our head so much. And so that self-esteem or that the, the concept of imposter syndrome feeds on itself. And if we feed that negative ego side, then that's just going to take on this whole different persona that we'll never feel like we are good enough for for whatever, whatever relationship, uh, job that we have, uh, you name something. And so that's where I think failure and self-esteem really, they kind of do go hand in hand when we think about if we can reframe failure as it's a learning lesson, right? F-A-I-L, failures are intentional lessons. Okay, so my last name has two L's, so I go twice as hard. Failures are intentional learning lessons. Look at you, going the extra mile to fail. <laughs> I mean, when you grow up with the last name, like obviously everyone in, in middle school, high school, college, elementary school, current, present day, people are like, oh, I hope you don't fail, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I haven't heard this one in years. Um, so yeah. Well, with the last name of dance, I get all the time, Marilyn, dance. Everybody looks at me like they're the first one to think of it. And like, I kind of don't want to crush their dreams and say, like, I've been hearing that my whole life, but. Well, I crush it. I straight up crush the dreams. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, if I'm your dream crusher, like, I'm fine. My students used to joke that that was, when I worked on a college campus, that was like my thing. They were like, you're such a dream crusher. And I was like, you are welcome. So I'm curious. So many people, including myself at many points in my life, tie up self-esteem, self-worth, with successes, right? And we do this from a young age. Like yesterday, I was talking to my nephews. They got all A's on their report cards. Actually, they got all M's, which I don't know what that means, but apparently it means A. Mucho success? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know what they're in. They're in like elementary school. So some elementary grading system. But, you know, so for so long, self-esteem, self-worth is tied up in like expectations, accolades, what we've done. And I see that with my clients all the time. Like, oh, well, I lost this job or I can't get this or I see it. Oh, my gosh. Like I keep failing at relationships like there's something wrong with me. And so how do you have those things together? Like, can you speak more to that? The fact that oftentimes we're getting self-esteem and self-worth from accomplishments. And if we're failing, then well, what happens then? Let's use a different analogy. Let's think about it as a social media front. Here we are in our own day-to-day -day lives. 
and then you open up Facebook, you open up Instagram, you open up what you know, like TikTok, you open up whatever, and we find ourselves in a comparison place. And so we compare ourselves to other people's highlight reel. Like that's all that's all social media is, is it's other people's highlight reel. Because very rarely does someone take to Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever and just be like, y'all, it's a hard day. This sucks. Or people are like, it's fine. You'll get through it, right? And it, it, like we're it's just lip service of garbage. And I think it was, was it Ben Franklin? I don't know. It was on the internet. <laughs> but it, like comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. And so when we think about successes... If we're just comparing ourselves to someone else's end of their story, right? Like, and that's the concept of, I'm at chapter one. Why am I comparing myself to someone else's chapter 20? There are no like overnight successes, right? So to use the example of The Queen's Gambit from Netflix, that film was shopped around or the series was shopped around for what, 10 years, 15 years and was edited on edited and people were like, it'll never get made, it'll never get made. And it broke all Netflix records and people are like, overnight success. And the woman's like, or not. I get so sick of the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> and I got two buddies that are executive producers for the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. And they've been in the entertainment industry since we all left college together. And so like that has been 20 years that they've been in the industry working and, and finally getting there and they're seeing successes and they're great talented men but like it takes time no well what about comparing ourselves to ourselves and i think this comes from comparing to other people but i'm trying to have positive self-esteem and i have a bad day or i fail or i majorly mess up what do i do with that well, there, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things we could do, right? I think number one, my favorite one is the is the should. Well, I should do that. I should do that. Or you could stop shooting on yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, let's start there. For me, when it comes back to a self-esteem piece of comparing myself to myself, at 40 years old, I'm probably the best version of myself that I ever have been. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I say that because... When the pandemic hit, and you're up in the in the northeast in the New York area, and I'm in LA, so like our two cities were like the first to shut down. Oh yeah, LA is just now starting to open back up. In the midst of all of that, I lost over fifty percent of my business. I lost all this kind of stuff, and I went into like fetal position mourning, right? Of like, I don't know what to do. I feel horrible about myself. I did everything. And so, and that's when I really started to do the weekly therapy because I had nothing else to do. I looked at it all and I was doing it. And so it's the realizing that I've grown a lot. Did I write that America's best New York Times seller in, in quarantine? <laughs> no. Did I create a lot of things? Yeah. You know, like I've got some new keynotes, got some consulting and DEI initiatives, right? And so there's things that I've done, but here's what I know. I know that a year ago, I would have put off all the work on myself. I would have put off uh, creating a new keynote around imposter syndrome. I would have put off all this stuff. So forcing myself to look at, well, who am I? What do I want to do? And how do I want to approach this? I mean, honest to goodness, I didn't get most of that clarity until probably late 2020 of really shifting and moving forward because I didn't realize the, the feelings that I had was called grief. <laughs> I missed the travel. I miss getting on a stage. I miss being able to see people at conferences and give them a hug. I didn't know I was a hugger, but I'm like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna embrace the hell out of people when I see them again. For you listeners, he's hugging the air right now. 
So when we think about who we are versus who we were, I come back to the Matthew McConaughey award acceptance, you know, all right, all right, all right. But he said, the only person I'm comparing myself to is who I am a year from now, five years from now. And then when I get to that version, who am I next year? And I love that concept because rather than looking back and seeing your growth, which is important to do, it's the, who am I going to compare myself? Well, what if I compare myself to myself, but who I think I could be in a year? So Dan, how do you maintain a positive sense of self-esteem knowing that we're always growing and changing? I think it's the concept of progress, not perfection. Mm. And we get again, because we're bombarded by everything that seems perfect online. And so giving ourselves the grace to say, you know, today was a rough day. Tomorrow's a new day. I am also not that person. <laughs> and so this is me giving advice, but not taking it. Okay. So there's a difference, right? Like not a therapist. Understanding in that, in that frame of mind. And here's why I say this. I say this because we will never do everything we want to do. There's a finite time during the day. I don't know about your to-do list, but my to-do list is asinine. I also know that there's only 24 hours in a day. You're, you're supposed to get, you know, like eight hours of sleep, which is hilarious. And I love that recommendation, even though it's science. And then Netflix goes and releases something like Tiger King or Queen's Gambit or whatever. And right now, like right now I'm addicted and forged in fire. And I don't know why this podcast is not brought to you by Netflix, but you're welcome for all the, the dropping of it. And then I end the day and I was like, I didn't do anything. I get super frustrated with myself. However, what I have done in the last, I'll say month, right? We're mid-February. Yeah. So in the last month, I never thought that I was a mindset person. I'm not like a charge your crystals person. My inner monologue matches my external monologue, which is snarky. That's where that is. And so usually I would go to bed feeling somewhat defeated. Oh, I didn't do anything today. And what did I have to show for today? Nothing. I actually was pretty productive. And so here's a great trick for, for all your listeners and for anyone in the world that wants to do this. If you have an iPhone, I don't know about Androids, sorry. If you have an iPhone, one of the things that I do, and you can set like your bedtime, like your, your nighttime routine. And so I have it to where, yes, I would love to get seven and a half hours of sleep. So at roughly 10-ish p.m., my phone is like, hey, you're waking up in seven and a half hours. It like says 10 p.m., but really I don't go to bed till like 11 or 12. Anyway, but one of the things, in order to open my phone, I have to go through two extra steps. So I have to like really want to get on my phone. So I can't just zone out on my phone. But one of the things that you can do is that you can make your phone give you the option to open up different apps Yeah. after that. So when the bedtime reminder comes on. So I have it to open up either Headspace just to like get in that, like center yourself and fall asleep better. Or, and this is the one I use the most, is opening up my notes app. Yeah. And I created just a, one of my notes that says daily wins. And so I go back through and I'll usually just look at my calendar. And in those daily wins, I put the date and I'll type in, well, what did I do today? Even if I had a completely unproductive day on purpose, I will say, took a mental wellness day or took four hours and did nothing and felt great about it, right? And I'll remind myself that I felt great about taking my time to be intentionally bored. 
I'll also list the other wins, the ones that I'll put tonight. I had a great conversation with my daughter this morning. I brought breakfast for everyone. I did a podcast. I did an interview, right? And so those will be some of my daily wins today. I'm giving a keynote later tonight. And so those will be my wins so that I can go back. And then when I go to bed, I don't feel stressed. I don't feel like I didn't accomplish anything because I'm not shooting on myself of I should have been more productive. Well, and I think that goes back to the little devil on our shoulders, right? The little devil that's like, oh, well, you spent four hours watching the queen's gambit you're a piece of crap you shouldn't have self-esteem because at the end of the day self-worth does not come from our accomplishments right like everyone is a worthy human being and so this idea of self-esteem that comes from our accomplishments and then not only does that come from our accomplishments but then we judge our accomplishments and be like yeah but that wasn't good enough or i could have done better or you know i failed three times first so it doesn't really count and it's like no 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 it's not the point of any of it exactly and and we get caught up because i feel like a lot of those the negative self-talk is almost like quicksand oh yeah oh yeah you have one and then the next one comes super quick and then the next one comes and it's hard to pull ourselves out of those of those moments which is why i like going to bed rather than waking up and saying what's going to be on my agenda today for wins i like going to bed thinking what were my wins today so that way i don't have that negative self-talk when i went to bed or when i go to bed you don't allow yourself to step in the quicksand at all like it just takes away the quicksand i mean i might i probably tiptoe around it i probably put a toe in and i'm like oh yeah that's quicksand like don't go there (laughs) oh yeah that's bad that's bad so i have a really really loaded question but I am a woman. I am a man. Okay, great. We've got this settled. Okay, perfect. Thanks for attending, everyone. I work with both men and women, but I'm not a man. So I want to hear about what this whole self-esteem in men looks like, because honestly, it sounds horrible. Like, I'm very glad I'm not a man. Wow. You're selling this real good. <laughs> it do- Oh, my gosh. It sounds like there's a lot of pressure. I mean, women have their own specific pressures, too, but I'm just curious. Okay, so yeah, you're right. That's a fully loaded question and we don't have enough time to cover it all. I will take us on several tangent stories or several tangents real quick. Number one, in my opinion, and again, this is just my opinion. I think for the first time in human history, men are uncomfortable. Specifically, white men are uncomfortable. Honestly, I think it's about time. So there's that place of privilege. I identify as a straight white male, so I have had privilege for ever and so not at all right like oh yeah like it's totally fine it's fine everything's fine and i think there's that piece of oh god i'm uncomfortable what does that mean and so now i'm questioning my value in the world i think in the midst of questioning our value in the world for as much as we've done for the women's empowerment movement we have not done any to give men the coping mechanisms, excuse me, positive coping mechanisms or positive skills in order to address the feelings of inadequacy. And maybe this is opinion-based and I could probably find some article or science based behind it, but it's difficult for grown men to make friends later on in life. And in the midst of all of that, I think some of that comes back to how we've been indoctrinated for years of how we approach and how we view masculinity. Again, I work a lot with the student audiences, college student audiences, and we don't teach the men how to, to do anything. You know, I mean, like in terms of emotions, men are taught that it's okay to have anger as an emotion. And we are taught that it's okay to, to talk <laughs> sports or to be angry about sports. Like that's kind of it when it comes to being able to emote for others. 
One of my favorite stories is I dated a guy a few years ago who one day I, I looked at him and I go, oh, I'm just feeling so frustrated and annoyed. Two pretty common feelings. And he looks back at me and goes, oh my gosh, you're so good at talking about feelings. But, but, that's, like, but that's it, right? That really it. <laughs> I'm from the South. And so like, we really don't talk about emotions and feelings. And so like, when it comes to relationships, it comes to like all of these aspects, and I would consider myself more vulnerable, authentic, and just, you know, generally curious about life now more than ever, hashtag therapy. But like, I think part of that also comes to, it's interesting because I've seen it play out in real time where a woman will say in a relationship, in a, in a heteronormative relationship, that's where the woman will say like, I just wish that you like talked more. I wish that you like expressed more emotions or, you know, like whatever. And then as soon as the man breaks down to do some of those things, maybe they break down to cry, maybe they express something that's not frustration, but they express, you know, remorse or grief or, or they just become more open and, and, and vulnerable. All of a sudden, and again, I've seen it play out with a friend where she backed up and she was like, whoa, 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 like man up about this. And then he shut back down, like saw him physically, like shoulders went back down, face like lost all emotion. And so we've not figured out this method, this way. And I don't know that there is a way. My way is a way. It's not the way, but finding out ways to, to allow men those spaces I do, like I mentioned, I do a lot of work with college men. And one of the things that I found most successful, it's me and another male at the front of the room. And we created this, you know, male only environment. It was a conference of 4,000 students, standing room only, 50 men. We asked some of the women that attended the room because they were like, this seems like a fun conversation. We were like, it's literally called for men only. (laughs) So we asked them politely, there's other masculinity sessions you could go to. We're trying to have this space for men. And we had men in less than 10 minutes sharing stuff that they're like, I've not even told my best friend this and, and breaking down and they come up afterwards. They were like, thanks for just letting us be and just say whatever was on our mind. Even if it came out horribly wrong and politically incorrect, like I felt like I wasn't finally judged for my ignorance. And it was like, okay, but let's also now unpack some of what you did say, right? Like we got to follow up and do that rather than just being like, well, I've got blah, blah, blah. No, we got to, let's continue this method forward. Cause it's not just toxic masculinity and regular masculinity. It's an onion. There are layers to all of it. Masculinity, when it comes to self-esteem, we've not really studied that. Hell, in terms of masculinity, that didn't really like come around in studies until after some of the women's rights movements, post-World War II, post-Vietnam War of like, well, what's the man's place in the world? That term didn't exist. And so if we're going to look at it, and again, most of the studies that have been done, and you're familiar with this, are done on white men, straight white men, not accurate portrayals of everything. So how do we open up those doors to talk about it and create those better spaces? And that's just, it's a hard space to try to figure out. Uh, And I don't have that answer, but I think that just comes back to giving the men those abilities to have the conversations needs to happen. We have to figure out how to do that, but in a way that men don't feel attacked. And that is the... I think the golden ticket, as it were, for finding areas, spaces, and the right skill set for the people at the front of the room facilitating the conversation of, well, what does this mean and how do you feel? And giving men the words of feel and what are feelings more than just anger or frustration, right? The negative feelings. Can you express joy in a positive way? Yes. How? So what is your advice as someone who talks about failure all the time Mm -hmm. 
as someone who talks about these men's issues and men struggling with self-esteem, but feeling like they're not able to express that, like what, mm-hmm. how can people fail and still feel good about themselves? Again, that's, a, that's that reframe. That's the best way I could say it. It's seeing failure as an opportunity. So let's think about it another way. When everyone is born, are you able to walk? Nope. No, we are not, right? Like we, we're not giraffes, <laughs> right? Like we're not elephants that are born and able to walk. Like when we are born, we have to figure out how to roll over. We have to figure out how to hold our heads up. We have to figure out how to walk. So let's think about it from a walking standpoint. You're not born able to walk. You stand up, you fall down. You bump your head, you bump your you know side or whatever on a table. I don't know about anybody else. I still have problems walking sometimes and I will trip myself up. <laughs> and so knowing that like it's an ongoing process. So we've all failed multiple times, probably every day. If you hit the snooze button, you failed to wake up on time. But that's not, that doesn't mean that you are less than. I want to go to the gym. I don't. Does that mean I'm a failure? No, that just means I haven't prioritized the gym like I said I would. So, you know, I will lose my COVID-19 pounds when that moment comes and when I want to make it a priority. But I'm not going to shoot on myself for not doing it right now. And this comes back to like the okay-ish concept. It's okay to not be okay. And on top of that, my one of my favorite quotes, and I forget who it's by, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And so seeing it in that way, like, yes, failure is hard, but like another way to, to look at it, you know, in terms of, of a self-esteem piece. So do me a favor, cause we're on camera right now. So do me a favor. And so everyone listening also do this, cross your arms, right? Like you normally would. Great. Thank you. Kind of like you're in a meeting that you don't want to be there. Like you're in a zoom that should have been a meeting that should have been an email. Okay. So you're, you cross them. Okay. Now uncross them kind of shake them out a little bit and cross them the other way. I had to like, think about that. Right? So like right over left, left over right, like whichever, you know, whichever way you need to do it. Now, how does that, so like Mary Ellen, how's that feel? Weird. Wait, I'm not even, oh, I didn't even do it right. Oh, it feels weird. (laughs) Right? So it feels, it feels weird. It feels odd. It feels awkward. Here's the thing. I asked you to do the exact same thing, just a little bit differently. Yeah. I literally asked you to do the exact same thing, just a little bit different. And so this is what failure feels like to a lot of people. It feels uncomfortable. If it doesn't feel good. This is also what change feels like. So to change the behavior or to change the mindset of how we approach failure and self-esteem, it's going to feel uncomfortable at first. But what we find is that by, I love that you're still doing it. Um, <laughs> but what we find is that it's okay to be able to do that. And once you give yourself the grace to not be perfect, once you give yourself the grace to be like, I'm going to make some mistakes. You'd be surprised how much that frees you up to not be perfect and to be able to make mistakes because I'm also going to acknowledge a mistake if I make it. Why? Because I'm a human being. And so if we as humans can say like, it's okay to not be perfect, (gasps) imagine what social media might look like. Well, and one of the things I talk about a lot on this podcast is, and it's just what you're saying, I'm just kind of saying it in in a different way, is attaching meaning to things right? We attach meaning and, you know, that involves the reframe. Like, for example, that crossing arm activity, I did it wrong. I crossed my arms the same way the first time because I was confused. I could attach meaning to, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot, but I'm not going to attach that meaning because that's true. Exactly. That also comes back to the self-talk that we have, the internal monologue talk that we have. And so looking at it from a, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to make a mistake. Oh, Totally messed up, but I'm not going to make it a big deal. 
And so figuring out, right, and that's just the like when you're walking, you know, or running or doing that and you do the little stutter step and you look back and you're like, who put the sidewalk there, right, or whatever that might be. We always have those stutter steps. So what does that look like on a day-to-day -day life? And so if you can reframe it as a self-esteem piece too of, whoops, made a little mistake, I'll learn from it and move on, then it doesn't become a big deal yeah. and our minds don't harp on it as much. So therefore, like, we don't feel as bad about it. Dan, I love your outlook and your style, and I just want to be snarky all the time to be more like you, basically. I, well, no, see, I just need you to be you. I don't need you to be like me. I just need you to be you, but feel free to snark away. That's true. Let me reframe that. I feel like you bring out the snarky side in me, which I appreciate. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Anything I can do, let me do a hair flip real quick. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> So Dan, how can people find you if they want to hear more of your infinite wisdom? I won't say infinite, but I will say it is finite in some senses. <laughs> no, so I am Dan Fail on all social medias. That's D-A-N-F-A-I-L-L. -L. Uh, again, fail like to flunk, but with another L on the end because you go twice as hard. So Dan Fail on all social media handles. Uh, my website is also danfail.com. So feel free to reach out, all the things that are there. Awesome, awesome. I hope that on all your social medias you share how you fail so often. I need to do a better job. You know, I do a little bit, but I need to, I do need to do a better job at sharing some of those uh, failures as successes for sure. Yeah. And how you still have good self-esteem throughout. You know, but we all have bad days. I think that's the other part. Like I still acknowledge that I have bad days and I will put that ish on social media to be like, y'all, it's a rough day. Mindset wise, I'm going to power through tomorrow's a new day. But I think it's also not just painting a picture for painting a picture's sake of like, oh, it's all roses and rainbows. Like it's that meme of like the dog with the house on fire. I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. No, today's a bad day and it's okay to have a bad day. And it's not forever, it's not black and white. It's not good or bad. It's just mm -hmm. what it is. Exactly. Awesome, Dan, thank you so much for being on here. Of course, thank you so much for asking. I appreciate it and keep being okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.